Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, I'm very pleased to introduce Paul Kangor. He's a professor of political science at Grove City College in Grove City, Pennsylvania. He's an author of many books, including A Pope and a President, The Divine Plan, and Politically Incorrect Guide to Communism. And one of my favorites that you've written, uh, Paul, is Dupes. It was the first one of yours I've ever read, and everybody I've given that book to has loved it. Oh, well, thank you, Deacon Jeff. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm getting a lot of email on that right now, because that, that book talks a lot about the protests of the 1960s. And, you know, that it's, in fact, it's quite a, quite a remarkable parallel to right now where today you have a situation like uh, what happened to George Floyd, which was absolutely an injustice. Yep. And, and, you know, everybody rightly protests that. And then just a few weeks later, uh, you know, they're calling for defunding the police, <laughs> right? Uh, some police buildings have been burnt down. And they're tearing down statues of Columbus. <laughs> you wonder, well, what did, wait, wait, what does Columbus have to do with that? And, and, but that's, that's kind of how the 60s went, where, in fact, I think of, um, I know we're going to talk about a different article that I did. Right. And in April 1967, in fact, it was April 15th, 1967, was the massive Vietnam War protest. That day, it was that day in New York City, Martin Luther King Jr. spoke there, and there was one in San Francisco, and that launched hundreds of protests all around the country. So everybody came together around one initial sort of common cause, what they felt was an unjust war in Vietnam, and those same groups that organized that, it was called MOBE and New MOBE and others, by 1968, they're shutting down the Democratic Convention. Um, 1970, they're launching the Weather Underground. <laughs> so it just sort of, uh, you know, the, the weathermen, the Weather Underground crew called it a prairie fire, right? <laughs> you, you, you start the initial fire, yep, yep. Of, and, and, and then pretty soon the brush fire, everything goes, it's up in flames. And that's kind of where we are in America right now, where all of a sudden, a few weeks after George Floyd, everybody's stopping and asking, like, a, like an apolitical relative of mine asked us last Sunday at a family get together, she said, what's the end goal of all of this? Right. What, what's this all about? And you kind of get to the point where you don't even know everything is just, just blowing up. And that's kind of sadly where we are right now. It is. And I, you know, I, you drew a great parallel in your article last week called riots, pandemic and astronauts, how 19 or 2020 is like 1969 all over again. And you're right, right. It was anarchy going on there was woodstock the manson family murders i mean they were calling the all police bad there was you know i guess you you referenced violent clashes of a thousand policemen ensued uh the hong kong flu which killed four million people worldwide a hundred thousand in the united states and you go through all these things that parallel eerily where we are today not to mention we just had a space lift off not too long ago, which which they did in 1969 as well. So it, it's it's amazing how things repeat themselves and the insanity piece of it never changes. And it's still hard to figure out what exactly are they trying to do other than be unhapp- with everything and want to topple a government that 
is there to protect them? Yeah, sometimes it's just a matter of, well, what, what's the end goal? It looks like it's just to burn it down, right? And, and well, it's the prairie you fire you were just talking about, right? Just burn it down and let, let it regrow. That's right. That's right. And, you know, that's, that, that's something that goes back to, uh, you know, I, at, at Grove City College, I, I, teach, I teach Marxism. I teach it every, every spring. And you know, what, one thing that, that, that Marx and Engels were all about was, was abolition. In fact, you know, they, they use the word abolition repeatedly in the Communist Manifesto. The famous article by, by Marx where, where he talked about religion as the opium of the masses, he uses the word abolish or abolition 19 times. So a lot of times, you, you, know, you know what they want to take down. And in the case of Marx and those radicals, they wanted to take down the Judeo-Christian order. As Marx put it, um, abolition of private property. Also in the manifesto, they say abolition of the family, exclamation mark. In fact, the exact quote, Deacon Jeff, is abolition of the family, exclamation mark. Even the most radical flare up at this infamous proposal of the communists. So when you look at all the different things they want to abolish, then you ask yourself, well, what do they want to replace it with? And, and it's not just common among Marxists, but I think you see it among secular radicals generally who just seem angry. They seem to be lashing out. And, and you, you don't know what they're going to rebuild after the foundation has been, has been laid out. And uh, it, it, we could see this in issues from marriage to, uh, to, to, to gender. Right now, Facebook, I think, lists 71 different gender options. So the only thing that you really know about gender is that they've abolished the distinction that there's a male and female gender, right? right. You just know that they want to keep having new ones. The only thing you know about marriage is that it, it's no longer sacrosanct, defined as it is by the church, by 2,000 years of Christian history, as between one man and one woman. It can become anything. So then once it becomes anything, it's really nothing. It's no longer marriage. There's nothing sacred to it. And so a lot of these protest movements, that's, that's what happens. And, and in, in 1969, that was the culmination of... Um, boy, the Mobilization Committee to end the war in Vietnam started in Cleveland in 1966. Then there was Vietnam Week in April 1967. Then 1968, if I have my dates right, you had both the assassinations of Martin Luther King Jr. and Bobby Kennedy, mm-hmm. only weeks apart. And then 1969, wow, that summer, it ends with Woodstock. It ends with uh, the Manson family murders the brutal, vicious murder of Sharon Tate, the beautiful actress, the, the Tate Lobianca murders. Uh, Sharon Tate was, was pregnant. Yep. They, 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 they ripped open her belly, her womb, and literally stuck a fork in, in her belly. It was grotesque. It was horrific what they did to her. The summer of 69 was, was the Chappaquiddick. Um, I won't call it murder, I guess, vehicular homicide, right? Yep. Uh, the incident where, where Ted Kennedy went off a bridge in Martha's Vineyard and Mary Jo Kopechny, who wasn't his wife, drowned. And he didn't call the police until the next morning. So, so we think that she probably didn't drown. She probably died from suffocation. Right. If, if Kennedy would have called the police earlier, she probably could have been rescued. 
And uh, and then and then too, amid all of that, yeah, there was a pandemic. It was called the it was called the the Hong Kong flu. I guess it wasn't racist to call it Hong Kong flu. <laughs> yeah, they they wouldn't be able to do it today. That's for sure. <laughs> right. We've always done this. A hundred years ago, it was called the Spanish flu. Right. And it's probably not fair to Spain at all. I, I, don't, I don't even think it's, I don't think it came from Spain. But 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 that one H three N two which killed about 100,000 people, almost exactly to what COVID-19 is killing right now. It affected the respiratory system. So all of that went down in this crazy summer of 69. And yet, something really nice, positive for humanity happened that summer, namely the the Apollo 11 moon mission, where, where three astronauts, I think two of them actually walked on the moon, I think Collins didn't actually get to walk, but we we landed on the moon. This was hailed by everyone from the White House to Pope Paul VI at the Vatican. It was this wonderful moment of of unity for humanity. And the one parallel we're kind of missing right now, this is what I draw out in the article, is we had a great event, space event, this summer when SpaceX launched in Florida from the very same spot where Apollo 11 launched. And you know, this this is a resurrection of the space shuttle program, which has been grounded for almost 10 years. And it's being done through a remarkable partnership between the private sector and public sector, between between this private company run by Elon Musk and between NASA. So this moment that all Americans should have celebrated, that could have brought us all together again, Amid COVID-19 and the George Floyd protests, the president was there, president, vice president were there, and yet I, I, I thought it was hardly noticed. Oh, it was a blip on the radar. Yeah, if you if you blinked, you missed it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got to be honest with you, I missed it. Uh, I, I, I missed it, and I had, um, and, and I don't say this in the article, but if my memory is right, I was... I was on a phone call with with a former student of mine, Zach, who uh, who I'm writing a book with, and uh, yeah, in fact, this is exactly how it happened because I remember he's he's in Chicago and he's in he's in Central Time, and and he said um, he said, "Sir," he always calls me "Sir." He said, <laughs> "Sir, I need I need to get off the phone in the next few minutes because I want to watch the space launch." And I said, "What space launch?" <laughs> and he said, Seri-, "And he said, seriously, are you kidding me?" And then, and then he, and then he told me, and I, and I thought, "Oh wow, you're right. I completely forgot about that." And I said, "That's what today?" And he said, "Yeah, yeah, it's today." And and I didn't even, I didn't even run into my house and turn it on. I, I I went and did something else that I had to do. So it should have been this great moment. For everybody, where where the ultimate destination for for us now is that this will lead us to walk on Mars, and and yet we're not even talking about it. Instead, where everyone is at one another's throats. That's pretty sad. Yeah, I mean we've we've gone from you know amazement to that to the city of Seattle having a six block area that has been cordoned off, uh, run by anarchists who now have decided that this is like their little world and the mayor saying this is the summer of love. That's how she's uh, reporting what's going on in her city uh, to kind of parallel the, she, the she Woodstock analogy. The yeah. The block party yeah. and the summer yeah, she, of love is, I, I mean, she, she must've been at Woodstock and it's just trying to relive it after reading <laughs> your article. I don't know. 
sounds like a bad acid trip to me. She's, um, I'd have to do the math and see if she, <laughs> if she was there in that farmer's field in, uh, in New York in, uh, 1969. Yeah. Block party and block party will probably consummate with everybody gathering around the statue of Columbus and tossing a noose around its neck and, and ripping it down. I, you know, I, I, I this is a Catholic audience and I, I was, the last time that I was in California, I think it was 2018, it was, uh, I had just been to the one of my favorite places, the Santa Barbara Mission. There's a statue out there to the great Junipero Serra, mm-hmm. who, is, who was canonized by Pope Francis. And uh, just a couple weeks after I got back, they had, I think, I believe they had spray painted mm-hmm. and I think beheaded the statue. Uh, and by the way, to behead a statue is hard work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beheading a person is much easier than doing it to the statue. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so they, they, um, it, it, it's, I, you probably have to, I wonder how they even got that done, but they, they've been, they've been throwing paint mm-hmm. on statues. I think they beheaded a Columbus statue in the last few days. Yep. And you got to wonder again, what does Columbus have to do with this? Well, if, if, if you're at war with the very foundations of America, which, which you've convinced yourself is rotten at the core, then that's what you're tearing down. And then you have to ask, okay, what, what, what's going to be held up in its place? Well, I'd I mean, like to know yeah. when, when, yeah, yeah go ahead. Well, I'd like to know when some of these groups, I'd like to know when some of these groups are going to, demand removing um, statues of Margaret Sanger. Yeah, don't hold uh, your breath on that one, Paul. Right, right, right. Well, there's a statue in Seattle of uh, Lenin. And guess what? Oh, my. He has not been touched. Right. And we have. Yeah. And we have these these radicals that have taken over, you know, a part of the city who have fenced it off. Yet they'd be the first ones to argue that we shouldn't have a wall in our country. Right. So they're not allowing right. immigration into their new little entity and they're patrolling it with yeah. guns. So for those who don't like authority, they're doing the exact same thing they don't like. And these would be the same type of people. You know, you mentioned uh, Marxism that would think this is the great that's yeah. the greatest thing in the world. Right. I mean, maybe, uh, you know, and you read your books, whether it's dupes, a pope and a president, whatever. I mean, you see the communist influence and now how it's almost been uh, glorified in, in the recent years, hasn't it? Yeah, and, and, and really, yeah, I, I, I think of um, Marx, Marx said so many things that, that, that unfortunately resonate with, with these radical elements today. And one of them at the close of the Communist Manifesto is the communists support every revolutionary moment. Every every revolutionary movement against the existing social and political order of things, and uh, that's a stunning statement, right? The communists support every revolutionary movement that stands against the existing social and political order of things. So, so you wonder, well, okay, what would a communist who's supposed to be about redistributing wealth? Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Why would they care about? Oh, this issue, right? Issue X or issue Y, or what beef do they have with Columbus, right? Um, why are they even interested in a statue of a Confederate 
soldier, right? Not that I'm sympathetic to that at all, by right, the way. Right, right. But, but you know, yeah, why, why do they show, um, why if, if you go to, as I do, because this is what I do, this is my, my area, I check the website of, of uh, Communist Party US, USA, which is cpusa.org, and I check the website of People's World. Uh, People's World is the successor to the Daily Worker. I check that probably twice a week. Content doesn't change that much, but because this is a field that I do, I check it all the time. And if you go there, you, you are far more likely, Deacon Jeff, mm-hmm. to see an article not on taxes, not on, um, not on the farmers' union or textile workers, but something on an LGBTQ issue, something on transgenderism. And you wonder, uh, wait, was Marx interested in transgenderism? <laughs> I missed that if he was. No. <laughs> yeah, he would, he would have been stunned. But, but so why would these Marxists today be so attuned to that stuff? Well, be, because for them, culture is where it's happening. That's where the takedown can take place. Mm-hmm. And and in fact, the about section of the People's World website, it says that they're looking for cultural workers. They're, very interesting word there, cultural workers. So they're not looking for steel workers. They're not looking for coal miners, right? They're a lost cause. Right? Coal miners in West Virginia all voted for Trump. Yeah, yeah, they, for, need, to, they yeah, need to go to a different yeah. field to look for uh, fruit, yeah. Right, right. And, and so if you want to take down, if you need that revolutionary movement that can help you undermine the existing social and political order of things, well, that might be a group like uh, the LGBTQ movement, especially if it can help you abolish the family. Or, Anti- or, or Antifa abolish. or any of those, right? That's right. That's right. Well, and in the end, so, right, they, so they create the turmoil so there's a vacuum, and that's where they come in. They could give... You know, they could give a care about the real issue that that group is causing, you know, the upheaval with. They just want it. You know, and Saul Alinsky kind of followed that with his community organizing, didn't he? Yeah. And the uh, you're 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 sparking a lot of different thoughts here. The I'm 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 thinking of I haven't written about this at all. And maybe I should. But I, I think of of Russia in 1917, where. Once the Tsar abdicated in March and April of 1917, and Russia withdrew from the war, and the Kerensky provisional government tried to hold everything together, and the military was effectively abolished, and so was the police, and there was absolute, complete disintegration of society, which is why many people think it was the weak Kerensky government that followed the Tsar. All of that allowed for the entrance of Lenin, and Stalin and the Bolsheviks because you know they came in amid complete chaos and disorder. You know, and, and so believe me, I'm not in any way saying. And you know, who knows? Maybe someone will come to this website and quote what I just said and not follow <laughs> with any of what I'm about to say. I'm not saying that we're on the verge of a Marxist revolution in October <laughs> and Tifa is going to take over the government. Right? Um, it, absolutely, absolutely not. But, but. The, the creators of chaos and, and disorder, um, chaos and disorder is not a good thing. And, and, and so here I would say, uh, vis-a-vis Black Lives Matter, um, while you're completely right to exoriate and condemn 
the George Floyd killing and police brutality, the worst thing to do is respond by by defunding police and burning down police precincts. Uh, th- then you have a complete collapse of order in society. And in and, and most major cities, I would imagine, well, I shouldn't say this, I don't have data on it, but I lived in Washington, D.C. for four years. I would think that half the cops in D.C. are probably black, Right. right. And that's um, that I have a lot of cops who are friends, in fact, uh, cops, friends who are black. And and the and if a police precinct is 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 burnt down in a bad area of southeast Washington, D.C., it's the black folks in those neighborhoods who are going to suffer, not the white folks in northwest D.C., that's just common sense. But but a lot of times it seems that the fomenters of chaos and disorder, they're not even thinking that far ahead. They Again, they just want to burn it down because they're so angry. Yeah, and common sense is not something you would attribute to any of these, right? It's just total anarchy. You know, we hate everything. Let's destroy everything. And in the end, they don't even have an answer for what they would replace it with because what we were seeing in Seattle, and I'm sure we would see other places if this happened, they're creating a hierarchical structure. Uh, they're cre- you know, they're walking around with guns. They're doing all this stuff, the exact opposite right. of what their what their you know their message seems to be. But you know, you you do the parallel between '69 and to, and and today. Uh, and maybe just feels worse because we're, you know, this is newer to us today, but it just seems like, you know, whether it's the media, whether it's, uh, you know, a lot of politicians, I mean, they're stoking the fires. I mean, they really want to see this go where you mentioned before America kind of viewed in horror in 69. I don't, I don't feel that horror with the significant number of people that I would have hoped would feel that way. Yeah, my friend R.M. Terrell Jr., Bob Terrell, he's the editor-in-chief of the American Spectator. I have a weekly column there. And he was he founded the magazine in 1967. And he was was with Bobby Kennedy a few weeks before Bobby Kennedy was shot. And I asked him if if what's going on now seems comparable to to 67, 68, 69. He said, said, no, this is worse today. He said, he said, he said, it's worse. And I, and I think Deacon Jeff, what, what, what makes it worse today is, is social media technology, people with phones, you can organize a mob in like an hour. I mean, you can, you can turn out a mob on In fact, you know, the very phrase Twitter mob, right? Mm-hmm. You could, you could, you've heard of Twitter lynchings, people, being attacked and vilified just on Twitter, it doesn't even, you know, people don't have to be physically out into a space. You can just defame and attack somebody on Twitter via social media. But if you do want to turn out a protest in the street, if, you know, if you want at six o'clock this evening to meet outside of the Starbucks on, you know, the corner of whatever, whatever, and begin your march down the street, you can do it. You know, you don't you don't need to do what the organizers of the mobilization committee to end the war in Vietnam started in Cleveland in 1966 and couldn't even make happen until April 67. Uh, you you could it, it's instantaneous and 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 that spontaneity also I think uh, further fuels the emotion 
and mob mentality and mob feel of the whole thing, which makes it even worse. Yeah, because there's really at no point if, if there is a gap for reason to kind of set in, right? It's all emotion. And when it's emotion, right. anything can happen. And that's really what we've seen. Like anything can happen. And yeah. just when you say, I think I've seen everything, don't say it or don't think it because you will see even worse because that's what you're talking about. It is a mob mentality. They'll attack anybody at any time for saying anything and take it out of context because that doesn't really matter either, right? We just hate everybody and we yeah. want to attack people. And and good people are being attacked for stating their opinion and not even yeah. a bad opinion. Right. Well, it's happened to me, and I, I could bore your listeners with examples, and I, I won't, but I'll, I'll give just, just one to show how crazy it is. I wrote a piece a few years ago on how a – Dominican friar on the campus of Indiana University in Bloomington was walking around campus and some students called campus police reporting that there was a that there was a white hooded Klansman on campus and that he was carrying a rope and and the rope was his rosary <laughs> that was that was hanging down. Well, we do and consider that a that spiritual piece. weapon, Paul, though, right? <laughs> right, right. Well, and I wrote that piece to point out how sad it is, and the, the whole context of the piece was that Stanford University had just voted down a proposal to put a Western Civ course on the curriculum. And, and I said, this is what happens when you say, hey, hey, oh, ho, ho, Western Civ has got to go. Students don't even recognize a Dominican friar. From a and Ku Klux Klan member. Right, right. And, and also it shows what they're learning which is really a fixation on racial issues, right? Right. So they see somebody in, in a white, yeah, whatever you want to call it, they think, oh, not a Dominican friar with the rosary. They think a Klansman. And that article um, has been pulled out by some people who don't like me, and they're using that to try to argue that I wrote this as some sort of, quote, white nationalist rhetoric, exact words, dog whistle. And, um, and and are trying to cause trouble for me with that. That's the that's Ridiculous. the kind of um, yeah hair trigger raw emotion ridiculousness. And by the way, from from a Christian perspective, remarkably uncharitable. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Extremely uncharitable. It, it's not right to treat people like that. But that's uh, that's where we are in this moment of kind of um, a frenzied mob mentality when people um, go from, again, righteous indignation and condemnation of something like George Floyd to where in a few weeks um, you just have things smoldering everywhere on issues that seem to have nothing to do with the initial injustice. Ridiculous. How can people follow what you're doing, Paul? I can't believe time has gone this fast, but how can people follow you? Because you, you have forgotten more on history than I've ever learned, and I think people really need to follow what you're doing and get a good perspective of where we are today. Oh, well, thanks, Deacon Jeff. Yeah, I, I, I'm a regular columnist for the American Spectator, which you can find at spectator.org. Um, I write probably about a monthly column for National Catholic Register, so you can find my articles there. And I've written a bunch of different books. If you just go to Amazon and type in Paul Kengor books, I, I did a book called A Pope and a President. You mentioned my book, Dupes, 
I wrote uh, The Politically Incorrect Guide to Communism. And I, and I teach at Grove City College in Grove City, Pennsylvania, which is a um, four-year Christian liberal arts college in Western Pennsylvania.